welcome to Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Grandmaster Craig. Hello, everybody. How you doing today? In case you're joining us for the first time, I am Deputy Grandmaster Craig Greca. I'm a 7th degree black belt in the Universal Martial Art, a 5th degree master in the Do Martial Art. I'm also a brown sash in Kung Fu, and I've been training for over three years in Kabuto Weapons. And I'm here today to discuss the teachings and trainings inside the Karate Kid universe, in addition to the Cobra Kai Netflix show. So anyways, uh, just a couple of references today from the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai show. Um, the use of colors in these movies and TV shows is used to uh, designate the different dojos, especially in Cobra Kai. Okay? In the, uh, you know, the Karate Kid movies, it was the Miyagi-Do that wore the white uniform and the Cobra Kai that wore the black uniform. Okay? Um, also, too, in the um, Cobra Kai, they also have the Eagle Fang uh, dojo as well. And the Eagle Fangs wore red. Okay, so you have the, the white, the red, and the black uniforms. Okay? Um, now, it's kind of funny. Um, and they had, like, blue for, like, anybody else that wasn't in their dojo. Okay? Uh, which is kind of funny because if you know the martial art industry, you know those are the, um, the four colors that uniforms standardly come in. Okay, so if you're ordering from different uh, wholesalers like Century or Tiger Claw, then those are the available uh, uniforms, unless you get some kind of special uniform. Okay, uh, sometimes you use special uniforms are the, uh, the demonstration teams will wear different uniforms, and they have those as well. So anyways, um, in these uh, shows, they use the colors um, to define and illuminate the differences in these in this dojos okay so for example they use the color of black sometimes used as a color of like bad guys they'll use the um the black uniform to signify that where white is more of an innocence kind of thing so a lot of times they will use white to signify that so that's why they did that in the uh you know the um <clears throat> The Miyagi-Do, I mean the Karate Kid movies, uh, the Miyagi-Dos versus the Cobra Kai. So. And then, of course, the Eagle Fang has like more of an emotional response, which is typical of the you know, Eagle Fang students. So anyways, uh, the topic today is colors. Okay, so we're talking about colors. Now, a little um, personal history on this. Um, I've um, you know, participated with my brother in uh, the remodeling of uh, the studio twice. Um, when we were in Belleville. Um, also, too, uh, for all my studios that I've had personally, um, I've did a color study before picking the colors to paint the, to paint the studio. Okay, so for example, uh, my first studio in uh, Florida, in Cape Coral, that one was um, a white and a blue. Okay, more white than blue. Okay, uh, and we'll talk about what those colors signify later. Okay, but blue usually has a calming effect, okay, where red usually uh, invokes an emotional response, okay. Um, the um, second dojo that I had in uh, Cape Coral, I decided to go with a very, very light gray instead of a white, just because it was easier to clean and it kind of conveyed the same purpose, so to speak, and plus gray is in, you know, light gray is in, and all the HDTV shows it's in now, so 
I thought it would be good. And I did the same thing here at the uh, current Michigan studio. Now my uh, Bonita Springs studio, I did a little bit differently um, just because we were further south and I went um, a little bit different just to kind of make it a little bit different than the, um, than the uh, Cape Coral one, just to, you know, say they're two different studios. I'd like to have kept them exactly the same, but something happened uh, when I went to purchase the mats and I couldn't get the, the right color that I wanted, so I had to stick with a blue color instead, so I changed the paint colors accordingly. So anyways, um, in all of our podcasts, we talk about a work task that can be done, similar to what Mr. Miyagi does, um, where you do a, um, a work task and then um, your martial art techniques uh, correspond to that. And today's is painting, okay? Painting is the best work task for colors, okay, because that's how you make colors happen. You paint them, okay? So um, unless it comes already painted or already stained a certain color. So first, the first thing you have to do in your work task before you start painting a surface is you need to get all your paint and supplies, okay, before starting a job. Now, if you painted before, you know the things that you need, okay? You need your, uh, your, uh, your paint, you need your, um, your little uh, bin to put your uh, roller in, okay? Uh, I prefer to use the metal ones and then use the tray liners and just throw the tray liners away because it's a lot less cleanup. But everybody does what they, what they want when it comes to painting, but that's what I do. And then you get the rollers, you get the paint brushes, you get some cloths, you need to have some cloths available, um, and, and drop cloths for, you know, catching stuff, and that's pretty much it. Um, uh, you get all your supplies before you start your job. You also have to have those paint openers, too. Um, and then you can um, go and do your painting. Now, I keep painting pretty simple, and I'm a very clean painter. Um, so the first thing I do is I like to, I'm, I'm the kind of person where I like to paint all the trim first. So I'll paint all the trim and all the corners and all the bottoms and all the tops, um, edging and all that stuff before I start to roll. Okay, so I think most people do it that way. Uh, but I'm a kind of a color around the lines kind of guy and then fill in in the middle. So uh, it really plays to my personality anyway. So. Then I uh, use a roller or a paint sprayer to paint the rest, okay? Now, I've, I've used a paint sprayer quite a bit, especially in the um, in this studio. Um, I'm interested in, in, in uh, trying a smaller nozzle on it uh, because uh, paint sprayers are the fastest to paint with. Um, I had, um, just for example, I had, um, in, the in the front dojo, I have 70 foot of wall on either side. So there's 140 feet of wall. Okay, and I sprayed all that. Okay, um, in about, God, about a couple hours. That's it. Just a couple hours, I was done. You know, from start to finish. And I would say an hour, but maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. So uh, about two hours, and, and extremely fast. Okay, I think I even went through it twice in that time. So I went two coats. I went around the studio, then I came back around to the beginning again. It was already dry, and started painting again. Um, and I put two thin coats on there to equal one big coat. Okay, and it covered it pretty good. Um, but a roller is used. I like in the, the, the office and bathroom and, and change rooms and stuff like that. I used a roller um, only because there was so much trim to paint around and I couldn't, I couldn't spray it all. Um, in retrospect, one of the things I could have done is I could have used a paint sprayer um, in all the rooms painting all the trim so that when I painted the trim, the right color, I would have had two coats on the wood, and the wood was bare when I got it, so it may have been a good thing to do, but 
that's always, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. you know, because I, th I see now and like sometimes they look a little dry and they could use another coat sometimes. So, but anyways, um, you can also, um, with a paint sprayer, you can also edge as well if you're good at it. Now, I've seen people on HGTV do it. I've done it a little bit. I do have an edger like, um, like stick that has like an, that you hold and you can put it up against while you're spraying so, to edge. And I've used it so I didn't overspray on the ceiling again. It works pretty good, but one thing I noticed is that the the instrument used to edge with gets really you know, gets a lot of paint on it, and then sometimes it starts to drip. So you got to be careful of that too. So when you use a paint sprayer, um, overspray is an issue for both the wall and yourself. So you got to make sure you wear a suit and also like a mask when you're doing it, okay? Because you will get paint everywhere. Uh, I use like it better outside the sprayer, but um, you know you got to be able to do what you got to do. Now, one thing about the roller, we talk about it giving us better control, but also, too, the roller gives a thicker coat. Okay, so when you're putting paint on, the roller does give a thicker coat. So I've talked to, you know, friends and, and, and uh, people at my work, and uh, they would say stuff like, you know, they would like to, like to spray their house, but they also like to do a roller job on it, too, just to give a thicker coat on the outside so that it's had better UV protected and um, the wood is better protected. So... You know, there's some, there's some, there's some, you know, people could go both ways on that. But I, like, for example, we have a cottage and I sprayed the whole house. Um, my wife and daughter did the, um, the edging. So I had the edging done and I had the edger with me. Um, and I sprayed the whole house in one hour. And then I did a second coat after it dried in another hour. So um, I painted basically two coats on the house in less than three hours. So pretty, pretty darn efficient that sprayer is. And especially, I have to mention this too, on the back of the studio here, we have cinder block, okay? And we also have brick, okay? When you're rolling brick and um, cinder block, rollers and brushes don't get in the cracks very well. It's very time consuming. So um, in that's, those circumstances where you have that, it's better to use a paint sprayer. Paint sprayer gives a lot better coat, sprays in the cracks. It's a lot neater, a lot faster, and it coats a lot better. So, Now, of course, whenever you do a painting job, you have to clean up your mess when you're done. So you got to put your paint away, everything all sealed up. Um, I throw the roller and the, uh, the tray liner away. The roller handle and the um, roller pan are both clean then. I just put them away. The brushes I go take and wash. Um, in certain circumstances, when I'm using primer, primer is a lot like glue. Brushes don't usually hold up too well. Sometimes I just throw the brushes away, especially if I've gotten them for three bucks. But the primer stuff, the good primer is like glue. It's really hard to get off, so sometimes it's not worth it. Okay, so anyways, you've done your painting, and you're trying to do your corresponding martial art practice. Okay, in your physical martial art training, one of the things you can do is you can do a side-side blocking. Okay. Now, in our martial art, we use an inward block and an outward block. You can do these both with an open hand. So you can do an inward block with your open hand or your outward block with an open hand, okay? Now, in the Karate Kid, they did a more of a straighter arm, okay, to use the hand more to block with. So the back of the hand here, the front of the hand, the palm here, and they go back and forth. There's nothing wrong with doing that, and you could probably do that with ours as well. The only thing is is that the hand is a single point of contact. So if you don't, if you don't have very good accuracy, Okay, like if you're not the kind of person that can make a shot from the three-point line, if you're not the guy that throws darts and gets them in the center, if you're not the guy that shoots pool and gets them into the pocket because you have pretty good aim, you probably aren't going to be the kind of person 
that's going to be able to block someone with just your hand. Okay? A lot of times that takes a lot of precision and practice to do. Okay? So in our martial art, we use the arm and the um, hand to block. Okay? So the side-side motion can be done that. You should practice that 10 times. Outward block, inward block, outward block, inward block. Straighten out the arm a little bit. Block, block, outside block, inside block, back and forth. And you've done basically your Karate Kid side-side uh, blocking. The next one is the up and down blocking. Okay? Now the outward block can once again be used for the up blocking, but you would angle it upward. Okay? In, in Taekwondo, we did the outward block more up. Okay? And it was always under the assumption that someone was going to come with an overhand strike with a knife. Okay? Like, whoever does that, except for like in a horror movie, oh, I got a knife, I'm going to get you. And then all of a sudden you do an outward block up to the ceiling. It, it's not very practical. Ours, our block most of the time is like a 45 degree angle, and it goes to the outside. It doesn't go up, but you could do up if you need to. Okay? So in this case, when you're painting, you go up, down. Okay? You can do the outward block up, okay, with an open hand, or you can do what we have, we have two blocks that are very similar to that. One is the um, low palm block and also the, the downward, the double downward block, okay? Now you can do the double downward block with just one hand, okay? The reason why there's two hands in the uh, black belt version is because for extra support, because a lot of times people aren't strong enough, a big kick comes, uh, they may not be strong enough to, to stop the kick, okay? You're taking your, your arm and trying to stop like a front kick or a heel kick from a bigger guy, it's not going to work too well. So, but you can do it. You know, you can do like an outward block and just use your hand up and then use your hand down like a low palm. So back of the hand up, palm down, and go up, down with that. Once again, single, single point of contact blocking, not great for um, having the precision to intercept, okay? Now, one thing good about having a more straighter arm like a not quite a bent arm like the like the like the taekwondo or the chukwondo or the universal martial art block is that you can block further out before it hits you okay now in martial art movies everything's choreographed therefore it's a little easier to make it look like it's cool like oh i just used one little hand and i blocked it um but you know in real life if a big strong kick comes at you you're gonna need something strong to block it okay but it can be done. It can be done, you know, and it's, it's definitely a, uh, something to consider. So the up-down block, and there you go. Now, as far as hand techniques and striking that are similar to painting, the best thing I can offer is the, is the round palm strike. It's a round palm strike learned in our martial art where you use a palm and you straighten out the arm a little bit more and you bring it around, okay, the body uh, to hit in front of you, kind of like a baseball bat, but with a bent arm so you don't hurt your elbow. And then you can do a backhand strike. Now, the backhand strike is a modification of our back fist strike. The only thing different is, is you just have an open, a firm open hand, okay, to strike with, okay? So you can do the round palm strike or the backhand strike. You can practice that back and forth, round palm strike, backhand strike, round palm strike, backhand strike, okay? And you can practice your, your painting basically that way. Now, we have to involve the kicks, too, even though... Kicks aren't really used in painting. We have to simulate those motions. And the best way to simulate that motion is to do an inside or outside caressing kick. Okay? Now, a lot of these, a lot of these podcasts that I do, for my students, you have to be patient when you learn. Okay? Because I want you to be good at the basic kicks first uh, before you can get to the more advanced kicks. Now, in class, we do an outside and inside caressant stretch kick. Now, when you do those inside and outside crescent stretch kicks, those are used to loosen up the hips, okay, so that you're ready to kick. 
and to gain strength and flexibility. So um, those are done with the straight leg. Now, in the, um, there's a bodybuilder system that I used once called Body Beast. And in that system, um, the trainer, Sagi, did the same thing with the bent leg. Okay, so he did the same thing outside, inside, knee strikes um, to get the hips loosened up before his workout. Okay, so other people do that in other, other industries as well, not just in martial arts. Now, one of the reasons for straightening out the leg in our martial art is to, one thing, develop more strength in picking your leg up. Two, you're stretching out your hamstring um, and your calf muscle in addition to your hip. Okay, so you're doing all those at the same time rather than just loosening up the hips. Okay, so you can do those inside and outside crescent kicks just like we do in class with the back leg so you get a little easier time to swing. And you could uh, swing it to the outside, swing your leg to the inside, to the outside, and the inside. Okay, so that's it for the physical martial art training. Now, as far as the mental training, I decided to talk at this point about the psychology of colors. Okay. Now, the psychology of colors is important to understand how to set up your house and also your business. You can also use it in marketing, okay? So you need to have some knowledge of colors in order to help you when you decide what to do, okay, so that you can get the right thought across. Um, I'm no pro at marketing. Um, I, I typically use word of mouth, and I'm bad about it, but I need to do more, and uh, maybe this is a way to spark that, okay? Um, there's another concept about feng shui. I don't know a lot about feng shui, just a little bit of what I've read, but the balance of colors is important. Okay, so having a balance of colors is important. Um, I know when I did this studio, I kind of wanted it to look a certain way. Uh, sometimes I um, question my judgment on a few, a few of them, but um, I'm pretty happy with the way it looks. And I just keep on, all you can do is keep on making improvements, right? So here are the psychology of colors. Okay, so this is what someone's determined what these colors mean. Okay, for example, red is excitement, strength, love, and energy. Now, pink is compassion, sincerity, sophistication, and sweet. Orange, okay, which is the color of Home Depot, is confidence, success, bravery, and sociability. Interesting. Okay, purple means royalty, always has been because it was a hard color to get back in the olden days, luxury, spirituality, and ambition. Okay. Yellow is creativity, happiness, warmth, and cheer. Brown is dependable, rugged, trustworthy, simple. Green, which I've used in our studio as well, is nature, healing, freshness, and quality. Black. Not evil or bad, but it means formality, dramatic, sophistication, and security. Blue, trust, peace, loyalty, and competence. White is clean, simplicity, innocence, and honest. Okay, so those give you an idea of what those colors mean. There's a lot more to it than that, especially those variant colors that are not part of this, like if you're... Um, like a light purple or dark purple or a, a dark red, you know, so different things can mean different things. So, but that gives you like just a basic knowledge as I probably can do like a second episode of this one because there's so much to, to talk about, but we're talking the basic psychology of colors here. Okay. So anyways, 
just to wrap things up a little bit, um, the martial art technique of the week is inside and outside crescent kicks. Okay, those were significant today because we've done the arm motion one before. So using your outside and inside crescent kicks is a great way to get yourself in shape, get your hips loosened up, and of course those can both be combat versions of kicks as well. In fact, we teach the outside crescent kick as a combat kick in the Kung Fu program that we have here at the studio. The martial art philosophy tip of the week is knowing the difference between the warm colors and the cool colors in your dojo and also your business and also your home. So knowing the warm colors versus the cool colors. And the last one is a quote that I found and I thought it was very applicable for today. This is the secret phrase of the week. And the secret phrase of the week is, color is a power which directly influences the soul. Okay, so color is the power which directly influences the soul. Okay, so there you go. I think we handled the colors pretty well today. Um, keep on training. Okay, if you're one of my students, make sure you make it to class. It's very important um, because it helps with everything that you're doing. Okay, um, remember that we are here every week learning martial arts through everyday, everyday work, thus creating life around you, increased productivity, and a better world. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. This is Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Grandmaster Craig. Have a great day. See you later. Bye-bye.